Welcome to the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. This is your host, Gary Turner. Today, I was very grateful to welcome Natalie Nuttall onto the podcast, who's a PR consultant and co-founder of the Smile Charity. Uh, known Natalie for some time now. She's a regular attendee of the hashtag Selfcare Weekly Twitter chat that we have. But we've got on, had some really interesting conversations and dialogue around self-care over, over recent months. And I thought it would be good to get her onto the podcast, and I was not disappointed. Um, I found a couple of the really interesting points for me up front were around this discussion of consciousness. So whether you talk about conscious parenting, whether it's conscious capitalism, there's something really interesting for me personally going on, and it really shone through all of our discussion today, that there seems to be this awakening of us as, as a human race and human beings, to be honest, away from this mechanistic, bums-on-seats, um, fear-based um, society that I think a lot of us have, have felt stuck in for some time now, to a real awakening of actually we can make more of a difference, we can get out of our own heads, we can get our, out of our own way. If we can just drop some of our thinking, we can actually access um, much more innate resourcefulness. And this is something that really came through loud and clear for me um, from Natalie, from her move from having postnatal depression through to getting off of the medication and into a better space where she was not overthinking um, herself. I just think there's so much around this getting presence, being able to stop and just be able to just be more conscious and aware of ourselves and what's going on around us can, can, can really be a positive thing for us all. And I think this also linked to another point where she said, you can see our own condition responses to things all of the time. And I think there's a lot of talk at the moment that our education systems are, are out of date and are not fit for purpose for what we need for the future. And I think we need to really be all of us challenging ourselves as parents, as, uh, as guardians of young people to make sure that we are giving them access to the more creative elements, the arts, whether it be um, creativity, curiosity, social and cultural awareness, things that the World Economic Forum points towards in a number of their reports over the last two years. There's this beautiful rehumanizing of us, rehumanization of ourselves, of the world of work, and I believe of society. And I think this consciousness piece is a major step towards that. So do enjoy this podcast. I absolutely loved it. It went in a few different areas that I didn't expect. And uh, as always, we're grateful, both Natalie and myself, for any feedback you may offer, either directly or via the iTunes um, podcast store. It'd be really appreciated if we can have any feedback from you there. Uh, again, the podcast is Value Through Vulnerability, and we really hope that you enjoy this podcast. Thank you. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And today, I'm really excited to welcome Natalie Nuttall onto the podcast. Hi, Natalie. Hello. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very excited. Not at all. Not as excited as me. So how are you this morning? <laughs> yeah, I'm really well, thank you. Pretty, I've got a little bit of a busy mind, lots going on, but it, this is a lovely chance to kind of calm it and just have a lovely chat. Oh, brilliant. Well, look, before we do get into that chat, would you mind introducing to the listeners who you are, you know, what do you do for work and what you're passionate about, Natalie? Yes. Okay. 
So by profession, I am a PR consultant and I've been doing that for probably nearly 20 years, which is a bit scary when you say it out loud. But um, I have a bit of a hybrid career in that um, seven and a half years ago, I co-founded a charity, which is a perinatal mental health peer support charity uh, with another lady called Ruth. Um, and that was really on the back of personal experience. So basically, I had my first child, who was now eight, um, and had really severe postnatal depression. And discovered there was a critical gap at a community level for support. Um, and the rest is history, really. We've been growing it organically um, alongside our own jobs and having young children, <laughs> which is a bit chaotic at times. But it's just been the most formidable opportunity and just incredible and such an amazing learning curve. And we're now fortunate enough to be um, funded by Comet Relief for three years. So it's been a bit of a game changer for us. It's great. Oh, congratulations. That's amazing. That's so easy to see where some of your passion lies. I'm really interested, though. So sort of PR consultant, obviously personal yeah. life experience has driven you to yeah. this charity. How's that all mm -hmm. sort of, how does that all combine to sort of, bring Natalie Nuttall to life as it were how, how do those things intersect with each other well it's a good question I think I used to have quite traditional views of what life would be like when I was growing up and you know what my career would be I was always very career driven um, loved writing and that's still my first love in life um, and that's the fundamental to my job because I write um, for media um, write blog content um, and so I love that work and it's very communications based and client relationship. But then I kind of from personal experience realized that you can create your own career. Um, I know you've had other people on the podcast who talked about job crafting, which is, you know, great. And nowadays there's more of a portfolio career kind of going on. And so the, the charity just emerged out of a personal experience and it just felt like the most natural thing to do for, for me and for Ruth together. And we've just gone with it and kind of people say, oh God, gosh, you know, you seem to be doing quite a lot and juggling quite a lot. And, but that's kind of what I am, I, who I am and that's what I like doing. So I'm quite comfortable with that. It gets a bit crazy at times, but hey, it doesn't life anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. Well, look, before we get going, just because we're quite early in the pocket, do you mind just giving the details of Smile, just so people, if they yeah. want to go and have a look at the website? I normally do it at the end, but I think it's, it's quite nice up front to talk yeah. about that. So we're a relatively small charity. We're called Smile Group, and we operate in Cheshire in the northwest of England, and we've got three peer support groups, which are kind of drop-ins, um, and we also do one-to-one -one counselling and home visits for parents who um, are too poorly to leave the house. Um, so we're on Twitter. I'm pretty active on Twitter at the Smile Group and we're on Facebook and we've also got a very old-fashioned and much needed to be updated website <laughs> so please don't look at that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's going to happen everyone's going to go there first. No, Thank you for that that's great so please do go and have a look at that anyone that's listening uh, it's great work that Natalie's doing there so as we get into the podcast so Obviously, you know the themes, you're, you're a very kind listener yourself around mm -hmm. sort of these very human areas of vulnerability, awareness, mindset, these sort yeah. of things. Mm -hmm. What is, as we sort of get going, is there any aspect of that which I just described that sort of jumps out to you as being most meaningful for you as Natalie? Yeah, I think at the core of Smile particularly, and probably everything, everything I do really, as, and everyone else does really as human beings, is around vulnerability um, in that I see it as kind of courage in motion. The more I 
see it and experience it and see other people going through it and develop this sense of amazing community which binds people together through a time of great vulnerability it just comes from a beautiful place it's essentially it's kindness and it's just um you know those humanity really in action and 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 connecting people to be honest about their experiences and kind of try and break through this conditioning that we're all so you know that we grow up in around us about who we think we should be and and really just be happy to be who you are and that's quite a raw thing to to expose Mm, that's, that's really it's really weird actually this is this is uh, in the moment stuff going on right now Natalie so literally before we connected with each other for this podcast yep. I pressed the button on an article on LinkedIn called identity okay because something happened to me this morning literally at 8 30 a.m and I spent the last 90 minutes writing it, it just came to me which oh, is I've, I've spent 20 years of my life up until 18 months ago yeah. believing that my organization and the work I did defined who I was as Gary Turner and I yeah, believe yeah. that until as recently as 18 months ago. Yes. And I think we're all, we all fall into that. You know, we're human. So we identify with our thinking all the time. We're compulsive thinkers. That's just how we are. We don't see it often. And I think I had, I've had lots of insights along the way, but I had probably a very major perspective when I was just in the thick of very scared, low mood and anxiety after I'd had my little boy, he must have been about eight months old. And I clearly remember sitting in the bath and I'd just been reading a book about mindfulness and I didn't really understand what it was. And I was trying to get my head around it and explore it. I'd done CBT, I don't know if you know cognitive behavioral mm -hmm. therapy, which is more of a rational approach to challenging your thoughts. And then I just read something and it really resonated with me like deeply within. And it's saying basically, and I had this realization that it wasn't necessarily the anxiety and depression that was making me ill. It was my thinking around it. So it was my analysis of it, my rumination, my trying to find meaning out of it, my trying to solve it, fix it. That was where I was going wrong. And I just had this tiny chink of light. And that is the chink of light that kind of got me better and got me through my recovery. And I needed to see that for myself. And yeah, it was kind of mind blowing. That's right. What, what was that you were reading at the moment? Can you remember? Was it like an article or was it a yeah, book? Or... No, it was a book called The Mindful Way Through Depression. And that okay. was my first look. I, I can't remember the author. It's co authored, I think. Um, it's worth reading for anybody who is experiencing depression or anxiety just because it might give you a different outlook on it. Um, mm. Yeah, and, and I guess my I've always been really curious and I've always had a very like an exploratory mind that wants to wants to find have a kind of thirst for knowledge i guess i've always been like that love learning and i started to get like that about who i am which sounds a bit weird and deep and philosophical but that's the point where i started to ask questions big questions to myself about who actually am i and what is going on in my head and try to go into that with like compassion rather than this sort of real will to make myself better i realized the will wasn't working for me i had to go with it not against it God, right, everyone's gonna get bored of me saying this my my little hairs <laughs> on the back of my head are going up again and i say every podcast <laughs> there's always something that's just but you know something you say it's a bit deep but isn't it funny we almost have to caveat going yeah. deep because so, yeah. so we're not used to doing it that's true that's true 
yeah it's just, it's just got me thinking about that then it's really interesting because I, I do the same thing you know you always have to justify actually i'm going to go a bit deeper here than maybe you want to because it yeah. might actually make you go a bit deeper back to yeah vulnerable. and i think i think that's what it is it's about not wanting people to feel uncomfortable around a conversation um and not to freak people out <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so that's great. I'll make a note of that book and put it in the show notes. That sounds, yeah. that sounds really, really helpful. Yeah. So how, how does sort of other aspects, you know, if you look at that journey you had coming sort of out of your, your depression, yeah. it's really interesting because when people talk about mindset, it's interesting, isn't it? I was speaking to a, a colleague, um, Piers Thurston. Mm-hmm. That, that term itself sometimes can be a bit tricky because you're actually saying, because your mind isn't set at all. Yeah. It's far from that. Yeah. Can, can that be a barrier sometimes, do you think, even as, as a discussion point? I think it's a useful term to kind of convey a concept on one level because it's really interesting. I work with some, in my PR capacity, work with some thought leaders and leadership experts around that. Um, a guy who's an ex-premiership footballer coach called Pete Lowe, who's a really interesting guy around mindset and the way we look at our lives and the world around us. And I think sometimes it's easier to use more day-to-day terminology and it's easy to fall into jargon um but i guess the more i explore this stuff around meaning and who i am and exploring that the less i get caught up on semantics and words i try not to because it's easily done and i love words so i can fall into my own <laughs> trap really easily <laughs> oh that's brilliant so just to come back to your work a little bit for a moment so what are your clients looking like when you actually work on the pr side is it literally every sector anyone that might yeah. be supporting pr i mean or? it's just I just have a few hand-picked clients. That sounds a bit arrogant, but I've got to the stage in my career where I just want to work with people who have like-minded, who are like-minded and have values that are aligned with mine. That's really important to me now. Um, who I learn from, I get really energised by. So I'm working working in the healthcare sector in dementia care, which is fascinating. Again, around kindness and compassion, um, leadership experts, and then some project work around different areas because I like things to be diverse that's just the nature of me I'm quite curious and you know don't like things to get stale so yeah it's good just I think that's a really powerful message for me though Natty to be honest the fact that you're whether it's stage of career or whatever you've got the, that value set that says I'm not going to give away my power basically as Natalie by work with someone that, that that I don't align with I think that's really powerful yeah, yeah. And no disrespect to other people because they might think the same about me. I think it's very much about mutual relationships and relationships are the basis of any business, regardless of sector, you know, size or business or anything. It's really about people coming together with the same values and vision and kind of sharing that journey. And it's so much better if you're on the same page in that way, I think, than if there's a disconnect or you're trying to prove something or you're second guessing people. That's interesting, actually, because what I'm hearing there as well is a bit around ego, isn't there? Is, is, yeah. Is, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if it's your ego versus theirs, then you're on a losing yeah. streak anyway, aren't you? Yeah, and I think also because I'm a bit older and I'm a bit, a bit more experienced now, I kind of am a bit more comfortable with making mistakes and being honest about that because, yes, there's a part of me that is a perfectionist and that will probably always be there, wanting things to be perfect and do you know, exceptionally well at everything. But I'm also a bit, I have a bit more humility now, I think, and, and, and can say, you know, I messed up there, I'm really sorry, but we'll make sure we get it better and this is how we're going to do it, because that's what makes us human. And people actually kind of, there's a bit of a sigh of relief when we all know that we're human and it's okay, you know. 
That's interesting. Do you think this almost, I'm going a bit full circle in the moment as I'm listening to you talk, some, ex- some extent to be human, mm-hmm. back to the way we originally started, is to be vulnerable. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. the answers, isn't it? Almost by, yeah. by definition. Yeah, yeah. And, and weirdly, I, I don't know if it was always within me, but particularly when, when I was really poorly after having my little boy, I kind of didn't care if people knew that I was vulnerable. And, you know, I wasn't so worried about exposing myself in a way that I know that lots, a lot of people are quite rightly cautious about being very honest about their own experiences. But for me, I don't know why I'm just a massive oversharer. I just let it all out and say, this is how it is for me. And I'm kind of quite confident that other people will feel the same way because um, I know there's a whole load of people out there who kind of, there's levels of fear going on that they cover up with trying to be somebody they're not and live up to this identity that's not even who they are, you know? No, that's just really interesting. So some of the other guests recently have spoken about this sort of, you know, vulnerability can be seen almost like a dial. You need to make yeah. sure you dial it up or down depending on who you're with. And I, yeah. I, do, I, I do get it. I think I, I can see the value in that. But I'm a bit like you. I'm not going to lie. And again, we're all different. But I'm a bit like yeah. you from the yeah. point of view that I'm a massive overshare as well. I yeah. think I just feel it's helpful just to be a bit waltz and all around it. Personally, that's how I deal with yeah. it, to be honest. And I, I think I can't be anything else but that now, if mm. I'm honest. Because the more I get into this, the more I see that... I don't want to be contrived because it's, you know, we all act to some degree because that's the nature of life in many respects. But the more honest and you know authentic we are from the very core of who we are, the more we're able to relate to that in other people. And that's, you know, I can't have superficial relationships anymore with people, even, you know, clients and friends and, and people. I mean, I just feel like it's, I, it gets profound quite quickly and that's great. It's really good. Have you found there's been any politely, excuse the term, but sort of collateral damage over the years as you've become clear as to who you are and what you are um, and what drives you? Is it sort of lost friends or maybe work colleagues or or not not necessarily? I don't think anything actively on my part or maybe on theirs. I don't know. I think that it evolves, life evolves, we evolve, and there's a falling away of what's not true. And if you know, if that means that some people are no longer a big part of your life, then that's okay. It's fine. There's no real judgment around that. It's it's just more that I want to live in this way where I connect quite deeply with people and there is that level of relationship that's true. It's not built on fallacy and that's really important to me. Oh, that's amazing. Got any jobs going? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I work for myself. <laughs> yeah, good, good. That, <laughs> right. No, note to listeners: there's no jobs going with Natty at the no, moment. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. There may well be opportunities in the future. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love it though. No, but honestly, it's so empowering. It's really so empowering to talk, to, and I can feel it through the screen as I look yeah, at you. Yeah, there's yeah. this very clear energy that is, yeah, you know, you know who you are. You know what you want from from life. You know, I think for me. The biggest thing is, and that will be a never-ending thing for me and probably for everybody else, because we are all the same inherently. We all have, we are all different expressions of the same consciousness, um, which again, quite deep, but that's what, that's what I see. And, and I also think that I just see more clearly now that we align ourselves with thinking so much and we get caught in these thinking traps about who we think we are and what our identity is. And it's just not who we are we're so much more than that and it's just massively liberating to see that you're no longer defined by these limited thoughts that are just thoughts in the end 
No, that's 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 really really powerful. How does how does that show up in the end? So, so for example, in the charity, I would imagine with your sort of quite spiritual approach, which you know I share that with you to some. Yeah. T- um, you know, how does that? Do you think that really helps you with the charity? With smart, um, is that something it, that gives? It's not representative of the organisation. It's this is me. That's yeah. how I'm showing up. Absolutely. I think that we all have different ways of perhaps expressing that. I don't think there is a defined way. You don't even have to have a name for it. It's just how how I am, you know? And um, I think the premise of Smile is really aligned with that in that it is about kindness and love and compassion. Mm -hmm. That's where it comes from. You know, the whole idea we had when Ruth and I came together, we'd both been through a really difficult time and, you know, we were very isolated and we just didn't want other people to feel that same sense of loneliness and fear. And so we said, you know, let's just create something that is about welcoming people, making them feel that they're not alone. And you know, what would really have helped me when I was in the thick of it all was to, and this is what I hold on to is to have somebody to look me in the eye or hold my hand and say, I have been where you have been and you will get better. I promise you. And I didn't have that. I had lots of clinicians telling me it was okay and, you know, prescribing me things and, you know, with the best will in the world. But I just needed somebody to be there in that level. And, and, and I really hope that that's what we're able to do now for other people. And it's certainly the feedback we get is that it's just a massive relief to be somewhere where people can be honest and kind and, you know, hold that space for somebody else. Wonderful. That's absolutely amazing. So you mentioned their loneliness, actually, which is interesting. And it, this does yeah. link a little bit. Where I'm going with this, Natalie, is actually like Brene Brown's work. Oh, I love Brene Brown. Are you into Brene Brown? Oh, yeah. massively, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got to say, so I've read um, Braving the Wilderness. I've got to get, um, is it, what's the current one there? I can't. Oh, I've, just, I've read a couple. I haven't read them all, to be honest. I, I watch her, you know, her TEDx talks and things, yeah. So, so what is it about her work that resonates with you just out of interest? Um, vulnerability is core to what she talks about. Um, I love the sense of, bravery um and kind of humor that's wound into the way she talks about it she's kind of all out and i love that it kind of makes it you know we take everything so seriously and i do too i fall into that all the time and we should you know if we bring humor to situations it lightens it and we kind of see it from a different perspective and i think she's got an incredible way of bringing this you know research that she does and this um the way that she kind of expresses herself, I just really resonated with me, really. No, I, I love her work as well. There, there's actually this other, again, it's a little bit deep, but I think it's important. She'd done this um, amazing Facebook Live. I don't know if you saw it. It came out, I think, yeah. October last year. And she was actually challenging white supremacy, like publicly, to the point yeah. where she had um, death threats at home, a whole range of different things, because she basically mm-hmm. just went online for 90 minutes. I think it was 90 minutes. And just spoke about the fact that we've got to get away from this mm-hmm. the situation that we're in around white supremacy you know we've got to start being more inclusive more yeah, yeah. egalitarian you know we've got to yeah. start having these conversations yeah it's really mm-hmm. and i just found that that went that for me actually went to another level with her i've always thought it works great but to yeah. put yourself out there on yeah, facebook live and talk about yeah. that was like yeah. whoa like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like national leader type stuff you know and it's like mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. And have you read any Eckhart Tolle? I don't know if we've, we've spoken about this at all before. We, we haven't actually. So I've got The Power Is Now, but I haven't got around to reading it yet. So is that... Well, you might find that interesting. Okay. <laughs> Speak about that a bit then. What, 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 why might I find that interesting? I'm interested. 
because when I started reading stuff like like this, you know, I guess more um, slightly philosophical, some of it a bit more spiritual, some Buddhism references, just different looks at life and humanity. Um, somebody lent me that book and said, I think you might like this. They'd obviously seen something in me. I was like, okay. And it was unlike anything I'd read ever before. And it spoke at a different level and it was unnerving and it was uncomfortable in many ways to read because it was pointing to something that I just hadn't seen before. And that was around, there is nothing but this present moment. And it kind of messed with my head quite a bit, if I'm honest, but I think it's supposed to. And I also started to see then that I'd been living my life from my head all the time. Yeah, obviously dropping into the, the heart space sometimes, but so analytical and quite academic. Um, and, you know, I hadn't really been living too much from an intuitive place that was a bit more beyond logic. And, and it kind of pointed to that in a new way and made me think, oh my goodness, all this time, I've just been buying into my thinking and I can't believe we're all doing that. <laughs> it's you've got me i've got it it's literally here i'm gonna have you know, do you know what have you, are you like me have you got like a ridiculous amount of books that just sit on the side yeah. and you get through one every couple of months and you're like yeah. and then yeah. you talk to someone like we are now and i go okay that goes yeah. to the top of the list now then another one yeah. goes to the top there's honestly when you start you cannot stop and i went through a period of time where i was almost in digesting books at a rate of knots because almost felt like I needed loads of information and now I feel like I'm calming down a bit because I'm recognizing that that wisdom is already within mm. it doesn't come from outside of us it you know people point to it but it is already there and that's that's really a, a very very powerful thing to realize that's, that's massive uh, so do you do you listen to the Michael Neal podcast caffeine yes. for yes, it's brilliant isn't it yeah. yes it's really fab and he he's got an amazing ability to bring clarity um, and, and simplicity to quite complex things that we make complex that aren't complex, really. Do you know something? Just for a second, if you'll bear with me on this, Natalie, I just want to just, maybe just for 10 seconds, just have some silence on this podcast and just let the listeners digest what we've just spoken about. Okay. Because I think it's, it is quite deep, but you've communicated it beautifully, sort of made it very ordinary around the fact that if we drop our thinking, we access this in, innate resourcefulness that we're too busy thinking our way away from. And I think it'd just be nice for a few seconds just to let people think about that for a second. Okay. So I'm gonna come back in now. And do you know what's amazing as well? I did this as an exercise recently. You know when you have, we'll have it this weekend, when you have um, Remembrance Day. Mm -hmm. Isn't it incredible how much space and capacity you have for that one minute silence it feels like it takes hours yeah but yeah that one minute because you stop and get present it just expands and that for me is what consciousness is like is that that yeah. one minute is like Oof. Oof. and it's actually a beautiful thing when you when you allow yourself to rest in it it's really really lovely and I think we live our lives in distraction and I do it all the time you know I am obsessed with my phone I'd love to break away from my phone <laughs> but it's, it's addiction you know I, I want to interact I want to communicate because that's I love that but I sometimes feel that I'm pulling myself away from the stillness that is actually who I am and so it's really important to take that time to slow down and just have that little minute you know 
No, that's, that's awesome. What do you do? sort of segue, but it is relevant as well. You, know, you very kindly join us on the self care weekly chat um, on occasion. Yes, yes, I love that. Uh, what do you? What works for you in that space? Knowing that you are, you know, you're, you're, you're very present, mm-hmm. you know, but we all get busy as well. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what what works for you in that space that allows you to stay more present and, like, say, more vulnerable, more aware of who you are and what you are? What, what sort of practices or what what do you do? Well. I used to think, and it's important to reference this, I think, because I think a lot of people are the same, particularly if you have perfectionist tendencies, that you had to practice and learn and get better and be good at this thing called mindfulness. And that's actually the opposite of what you need to do. And for me, I almost call this an unlearning journey in that it's a stripping away of all the things that I've been conditioned to do that actually isn't that helpful for me in terms of seeing that clarity. So it's recognizing you know, that we are human, that we fall into territory where we forget who we are, that we make mistakes, but that's okay too, because we get really critical of ourselves and beat ourselves up. And that's really what depression anxiety is. It's a disconnect between where you are and an inability to allow that just to be. And, you know, when I have those, I still have the odd day where I feel low or feel anxious. I think we all have those days. And I will get brought, you know, I will get in it. I'll fall into it where I'll start to identify with the thinking. And then I'll have a little minute and think, just let it be. You're just trying to fight something and that's never going to work. Just let it be. And everything calms down after that. And it might take a bit of time, but it's really amazing to know that when the tide goes out, the tide will come back in again. Sounds very principle-based. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it kind of all comes from, from that inside-out understanding, which Michael Neal and various other people kind of are advocates of, or, or just, you know, they are it. And, and, and when I started reading more and other people in that space, I just felt this massive connection to it. It made massive sense to me. Just out of interest on, on that basis, because it, it, I have some quite interesting debates with some, some of my close people in the network, including you, around, yeah. you know, look at you know, the fact we're even talking about vulnerability and awareness and mindset. You know, at the end of the day, those things could be seen. And I'm starting to see it more now this week. Mm-hmm. In fact, mm-hmm. you know, they're almost symptoms of a lower quality of mind. So, like, you, you know, if you consciously need to be more vulnerable, it's probably because you're not innately yeah. OK where you're at at that point in the moment. Yeah, so yeah. Do, 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 I don't know if that makes sense, but it's sort of, so yeah. I think it's helpful, think, but. Yeah, and I used to think that we flip things. We see things like depression, anxiety as an issue and an illness and a problem, which, you know, it, it is. I understand that. It's a, it's a horrible experience if anyone's been through it. But actually, it's a massive teacher. If you take a step back from it, you'll see that everything that happens in your life and the adversity, particularly the very difficult experiences, teach you so much but you have to let it teach you so much you have to sort of look for what it is it's trying to show you and now I sort of if I get anxious thinking or if I feel low mood I think my body my mind is telling me something you know it's telling me that I need to slow down or I need to listen to myself and be kinder to myself rather than getting annoyed that my body or my mind's letting me down no it's actually got this amazing amazing wisdom that it's pointing to you know that's amazing. So exciting. How many hours have you got? We, we, oh, 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 oh. Beware, listeners, we could actually do this. Yeah, what's time anyway? <laughs> Good point. It's, it's gone. That last comment's gone. <laughs> love it. Love it. So just 
if you were going to look at something, just going to segue a little bit into something a bit different. Who or what is inspiring you the most right now? Um, well, that's a really good question. Um, well, I dip into, um, I quite like the old uh, YouTube videos. I watch a lot of Muji. Have you ever watched Muji before? No, no I haven't. He's a cool guy. Um, so he's worth looking at. He's quite more in the spiritual domain in terms of this whole stuff around consciousness. Um, and I like to get sources from all different, you know, walks of life because it's really interesting. Um, but then I think you can learn loads from people around you. Do you know who my biggest teachers are at the moment? Probably will be for a, for a very long time. My children. Wonderful. And that's a bizarre thing to say because they're three and eight, but they show me so much about life that makes me like go, oh yeah, okay. I took that as an assumption. Now I'm seeing from you that you know, you've got real clarity and it's me that's the one that needs to learn, not you sometimes, <laughs> which is the opposite of a lot of parenting stuff, you know, in that we try and mold our kids and make them be something because we fought into this sense of what an identity is and they're just being themselves and they're really fluid. And if they have a bad mood, they'll come out of it. They won't dwell on it. And I look at that and think, Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> Could you, would you mind giving us an example of that? I think that's a really powerful message you're giving. Can you give a recent example of when that's happened for you? Yeah, I think sometimes as parents, and there's a lot of people talking about um, parenting from the three principles point of view, or con you know, conscious parenting, um, in that um, we want to make things right for our kids, and we want our kids to be safe. Um, we also want ourselves to be comfortable with situations, if we're very honest about it. So we might have a moment where maybe, you know, I've got a three-year-old and she's having a toddler meltdown and it's in public or it's in front of friends. And all of my thinking, I've got this train of thought going, oh my God, why is she doing this now? This is really uncomfortable for me. You know, I need to get the situation right. I need to, and people are looking at me and, and saying comments. I mean, I remember, right, this is a good example. We had a family trip to the dentist the other week, which sounds quite jolly, but actually it wasn't, it was quite stressful. And um, we were sitting in the waiting room. My daughter was chattering away. She was being lovely, but slightly kind of overzealous. And an older lady turned around to me and probably said from a place of, in that moment, she's a very boisterous little girl, isn't she? And I took that really personally. But actually, when I took off the layers of me stressing out about what I was thinking and how I was being perceived as a parent, I kind of was okay with it because I thought she's just being herself. And that's your point of view and that's fine because you've come from a place where children must be seen and not heard and that's just not how i believe as a parent anymore so you know it's funny we can see our own conditioned responses all the time to things but then when we just let it be everything's okay you know it's fine we can deal with it and they can deal with it and children can be they can get through really difficult situations but they have this innate resilience that that they you know obviously they need support in day-to-day -day life but teaching them that they are okay is a really important message for them as well. That's such a great example. And do you know what I see there as well as the parallels for work? You know, how often yeah. when we're in a conversation, do we have to be the one that gets heard or we have to win the conversation yes. or, yes, yes, yes. you know, there's so little compassion, I think, in work at times. Yeah, because there's extra pressure that we feel, I think. But again, some of that pressure... Is, is just created by our thinking in that moment, you know? Well, it well, feels so real. And it took me, you know, I, 
I lived until I was, what, 38, 39, thinking that the world outside me was doing stuff to me and I was reacting to that world and, you know, and, and it was separate to me and everything was coming into me and how can that be? And actually, from looking at things the opposite way around, I see that everything I experience and my whole reality is created by my thinking in the moment from moment to moment. And that was just like, whoa! <laughs> You're, you're opening up the aperture on the back of my neck again now because this is <laughs> you had a couple of years ago mine was july this year at the age yeah. of 42 mm -hmm. so and you know what i'm calling it as well which is really beautiful for me is actually it's not a crisis you know so many people go i've got a midlife i call it a midlife awakening it's like yes, that, that is exactly what it is and, and there's there's another great book have you heard of richard raw um, no. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's R-O-H-R. -R. Um, he has written a book called Falling Upwards. He's written various books. And my friend lent that to me. And, and it's basically saying, well, my understanding or interpretation of it is that we spend half our life, you know, when we're younger, going out into the world, creating this ego, this sense of identity, reiterating that and feeling who we are. And then the second part of our lives, we fall back to who we actually are. So we're unlearning and we might become more attuned with this kind of more meaning of who am I asking those big questions that maybe reveal this stuff about who I am not as well. And I was like, whoa, that's how it felt for me. You know, I became a parent. I had what you might see as a life crisis, but actually for me, it was pointing me somewhere like so urgently saying, this is what you need to see and realize about yourself. Oh my God. This is like, right, listeners, you want to hear what a real, a real life realization is happening. It's happened to me right now. I've not seen until you just described that mm -hmm. my, that, that my midlife awakening is actually more than what I realized. It's just taking me back to what I entered the world with. Yes, exactly. Curiosity, well-being. Yes, yes. So I've, I've connected all those dots, but I've not seen that bit of yeah. what's going on for me. Just, yeah, just yeah. literally take me back. Yeah. To what went to the world, the, the experience with that's, Bloody hell. Sorry, excuse, yeah. excuse your language. I'll have to censor that one. Um, <laughs> no, it's real. It's fine. Keep it coming. <laughs> wow. No, thank you for that. It's like, do you know something that Sir Piers Thurston, who I did this work with in July, is really fascinating because what he talks about is so many of these realizations that you and I are talking about. I've had a couple yeah. of quite major ones over the last, since, since July, but most of them are very ordinary. Like yeah, yeah, what yeah. I just experienced then wasn't like life. Yeah, yeah. It is life changing, but it isn't. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yep. And I, I think there's a lady called Nicola Bird who writes, does great sort of podcasts in that kind of space as well. It's called A Little Peace of Mind. And she did one recently. She's got a sim, I feel she's got a similar kind of character to me. She's very driven and kind of, you know, grew up being very perfectionist, wanted to excel, wanted to do the best, wanted to have the most. And, and that was how she was defining herself. She just didn't see it. And when I watched that, I cried because I was like, oh my God, all this time I've been trying to prove something. What have I been trying to prove? because I'm whole without all that. I don't need all that stuff to tell me who I am. And that was really big. But then it's like you say, it can be a very incidental moment that exposes that truth to you, you know. Do you think there's, you know, if you've got a couple of young children, you, you mentioned yourself, Natalie, how, yeah. I'm pretty sure, and I do, I'm a school governor and I do a bit of work with schools and I'm pretty sure this sort of conversation isn't happening in schools. And I think that's pretty no. important for people entering no. the world of work. Is, is that something you think we can influence somehow as time goes by or? I think it would be amazing to somehow rejuvenate the education system because it's not driven that way at all. It's driven to a place of academic prowess. You know, ultimately it's about results and performance. And there's a place for 
for performance but as long as you don't believe that's who you are and you sign your whole identity to that because what is it telling those children that don't perform that they're worthless because that's not a great message to go with is it mm. i want my children to know that it doesn't matter what they do you know that who they are is is an amazing gift and that can show up in many different ways and i don't want them to feel that pressure that you know it's an innocent pressure because we think that's who we need to be you know and that's a really important thing not to be judgmental about stuff but to say this happens because we innocent believe we have to be a certain thing in order to be acceptable and, and it's just not true you know and what you're pointing there is that ultimately we all as you say we all come from a 10 out of 10 self-worth yeah, yeah, but yeah. we think our way away from that yeah that's exactly it in a, in a nutshell that is it that's fascinating. We've done some work with World, Tracy Fenton from World Blue um, in San Diego a couple of weeks ago. And she spoke about this, because I think you're quite like this. She spoke about that when she set up her business 20 years ago, there was a Capital One bus in the US driving past her. And their slogan at the time said, um, you are 100% pre-approved. Yeah. And it's obviously talking about a credit card that you'll actually guarantee the credit limit. But she uses yeah, yeah. that as a great analogy yeah. for yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. us as the human experience is that. Yeah, exactly. Does that resonate for you as well? Yes, it is. And I think uh, I spent, I've spent so much of my life thinking that I needed to be a certain way. Um, and then it's only, and I, yeah, I still fall into it. We all do. And that's mm -hmm. okay as well. Equally, it's okay to fall into it. But just this amazing sense of relief and expansiveness and freedom uh, that comes from knowing that it's okay. It's all okay. And we don't need to prove anything. We're fine just as we are. You know, that is just, whoa. <laughs> and also I went through a phase, I have to be honest, where I tried to teach my children that okay. and it wasn't helpful because they were, they didn't want to hear that. It wasn't right for me to put that on them. They will see that in their own time if they want to. That's not, that's not on me. That's up to them to do that. I can just give them a few pointings and you know reassure them that they're going to be okay but you know it's not my responsibility for them to 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 um, see that for themselves that's their life you know yeah, that's really powerful actually i guess i'm sort of challenged but you're challenged about my own thinking in a way as well about the education system because i guess at the end of the day this is not some okay it you can be taught them of course i was shown what these principles yeah. look like yeah. but we don't want it to become yet another thing you need to get you don't need to you know you don't need to get a grade in the principles you know exactly. what i mean Exactly. And it, there's a weird territory within even spiritual circles, whatever you want to call them, where there's a lot of ego showing up where people want to be seen as the best at this and excelling at this. And that's falling back into the wrong track. You just need to see it sometimes that there's no competition. This is just, you know, being who we are. It's fine. Oh, it's, very, it's really powerful. If, if you look at things like diversity and inclusion, just to go for a little bit of a, a, a sort of curveball, but a, a link to this podcast. Based on what we're discussing, is diversity and inclusion even a thing in reality then? I think it's around something around separation where we're separating people and setting people up to sort of not compete, but be against each other as separate entities. Then it's going to get difficult because it's always going to be subjective and it's a hard one to explain but i think the more i see it the more that we create oneness and a sense of community and inclusion if that means bringing everyone together and recognizing that we're not different fundamentally that's a really important message you know yeah that, 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 that's super powerful because i've got a, i've had some great podcast guests on here like rehenna begum for example who 
very passionate about this area and she's we're all, we're all talking from the same hymn sheet ultimately i think i think dni exists to try and get us back to oneness yes. but it's going about it in a far too logical evidence-based way rather than just actually let's just be human with each other and let's mm -hmm. talk about and be curious and have this conversation with each other because i don't yeah. understand what's going on for you okay yeah well tell me then yeah yeah <laughs> i think we're sort of lacking that sort of conversation i don't know maybe that's yeah. i'm quite a simple person actually but <laughs> No, I'm, and I'm all about, and one of the big things that we, is underpinning the work we're doing in perinatal mental health is making it a simple everyday conversation, you know, just making it accessible and let's not get it, you know, all tied up in stigma because stigma again is just something that's been created. So let's just talk from the heart and see where it takes us, you know. That's wonderful. Well, look, I'm, like I say, as always, I've talked to you for hours, so we better get towards wrapping it up. So what, how can people reach out to you if they want to sort of just, just talk to you, talk to you more about what we've discussed on this podcast? What's the best way to reach you, Natalie? Well, I love being on Twitter. So um, my Twitter handle is at Natalie Nuttall. I'm quite sort of, um, you know, I like to be quite involved in the old Twitter sphere. So that's a good way of doing it. Um, uh, yeah, I guess that way is probably best. And then I can always direct message and take conversation from there, but I'm always up for having conversations with people and learning because, you know, I don't know everything. I'm far from it. And I think that's another thing is knowing that you don't need to know lots of information to, you know, to get there. Knowing that you don't know stuff is equally important and being okay with that. That's really powerful for me. That's, that's quite a nice uh, wrap up, actually, because I see that being one of our leadership challenges of our time is actually mm -hmm. if we're going to use vulnerability as a term is how do we help leaders know it's safe and OK not to know everything. I think that's one of our biggest challenges of our time, I think, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Lovely. If you want to, if you're going to leave one message just before you depart us today, Natalie, what would it be? I feel the pressure. <laughs> just one little um, bit. Of, just what, what, in the moment, what, what, what message would you give people following yeah. our chat today? Oh, I think it's a really simple one. It's just two words, and that is just be. You know, don't try to be anything, anyone, any sort of particular state of mind. Don't try and control anything because it's all just happening. So just be. That's all you ever need to do. Oh, well, thank you for being my peer to peer coach and give me a realization today. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, you've been an absolute joy. Thank you very much for joining me today, Natalie. Thank you so much. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Take care. Speak to you soon. Bye bye. Bye. Hi there, just your host Gary Turner here, wrapping up this absolutely awesome podcast with Natalie Nuttall. Just so many takeaways for me again. I'm so grateful for these these most excellent guests uh, that, that do join me every week. I found it really inspiring hearing Natalie talk about the Smile Group, the the charity that she's co-founded. She spoke about the peer support group element being really, really key, as well as one-to-one -one visits for those that cannot leave their home. And it just always points back to me this around whether it be peer-to-peer -peer mentoring, whether it be peer-to-peer -peer coaching, whether it be to any other, like the pair working that uh, Perry Timms often refers to with regards to Menlo Innovations. There's this real, or account, even accountability partners, and we spoke about that at Self-Care Weekly, you know, can you find someone that can be your accountability partner to make sure that you help each other go to the gym or help each other manage your self-care? There's so much in this pair working approach, whatever that looks like 
And I just wonder if we're missing some golden opportunities, both at home, but also at work, um, by just redesigning, relooking, reshaping how we actually look at our support and feedback structures. I really, really think that's something we could all be considering. I found it really interesting as well to, to hear Natalie talk about there's, there's a bit of a sigh of relief when we all know that we are human and it is okay to make mistakes. That's such a powerful message for me. And, you know, there's still an awful lot of fear, I believe, uh, and invulnerability around people feeling that it's okay to fail or okay to make a mistake or okay to put their hand up and say, look, I think I might have done something wrong or I've made a mistake, but I've, I'm, look, I'm interested to see how I can learn and make sure I don't make the same mistake again. You know, it doesn't matter whether you have, it's okay to challenge the status quo on the wall if people don't feel culturally it's actually safe to, to, do, to do so. I do know of organizations that have that exact situation um, going on. Are you one of those or do you know one that is like that? Certainly worth reflecting around that. And linked to that, that particular comment, I found it really interesting to hear Natalie's definition of vulnerability, which was, I see vulnerability as courage in motion. I found that absolutely beautiful. And you know, I've heard vulnerability being reframed or, or the opposite of fear being reframed as courage. But to think of it, you know, to really have that in your mind's eye, that vulnerability is courage in motion. I think that's really, really lovely. And this really speaks to me around this, you know, people spoke about it, dialing it up or dialing it down. But this is more around actually vulnerability is actually a muscle to be developed. It's something that we can improve should we consciously intentionally want to do so. Yeah, so seeing vulnerability as courage in motion, I thought was absolutely wonderful. And I think just a couple of other wrap-up points for me around us accepting who we are and what we are and trying to delayer this thinking that we so often you know do to ourselves like i did with my mental health challenge a couple of years ago and of course natalie did that she she recognized that she overthought herself into making herself feel worse with her postnatal depression um just to quote her she said we don't need to prove anything we are just fine the way we are and her children have taught her that her children continuously remind her that that before we start conforming, before we start learning all the social norms, uh, which aren't necessarily always helpful, you know, we, we are enough. We have all have a 10 out of 10 self-worth. You know, we don't need to prove anything to anybody else. However, we do seem to learn these, these behaviours, particularly when we get into the world of work and through the education system. So there are a few of my key reflections. I've really loved this conversation with Natalie. She's an absolute gem, a real joy to speak with and a really joyful human being doing the work that she does outside of her day job so please do reach out to her you can find the the ways to contact her at the end of the podcast or indeed in the show notes and we look forward to seeing you on the next podcast all the very best for now thank you for listening